For those of you that were here last week, you'll know that we are just in a short series where we want to lean into and unpack some of the things that we feel like God is inviting us into this year at Coast Vineyard. But it's the kind of thing that even if you're visiting with us today, that you'll be able to take away and apply uh, just to your own life. And uh, if you weren't here last week, why don't I just quickly recap what that is. It's just these four core elements that we uh, think that God is asking us to get a lot more clarity around and to intentionally lean into and develop over the year and actually over the years to come because we'll have lots of room to move within them. And those four areas are connect, grow, serve, and go. We want to connect with God and with people. We want to grow in our faith and in life. We want to serve each other, and we want to go and love our community, starting local but going global as far as what and as wide as God would want us to go. And so those are the kinds of things that actually are for health. They're going to help us thrive, both individually as well as for us as a church. And so they're the kinds of things that we want to deliberately pursue. So whether, so it's, you know, it's important for each of us, you know, we were talking to some of our staff this week, it's like, don't just think this is for like other people, or that it's just for the church collective, it's for us individually as well. So it kind of gives us something at the start of the year to be able to even reflect on, where am I at in each of these areas? Because if we lean into all of them, then they're going to help us to be healthy and to thrive. It's important too that we recognize that these aren't sort of standalone ideas, There's all this interconnected, interweaving dynamic and interplay between them because they they feed into each other. And so that's quite fun because there's all this overlap and one thing will actually have a knock-on effect in another. So we're going to spend the year and uh, and I think beyond uh, kind of working out what does that look like for us here at Coast so that we are a healthy church full of healthy people or those, you know, like, we'll, we'll get healthier as we go by. So that's where we're up to. And so last week, Matt uh, looked at this whole thing of connecting with God and with people. And so if you missed that, you'll be able to have a listen on the, the website under the podcast section. And uh, today, we're going to start looking at grow. This week, Billy Graham, who was a hero to many people in the faith, died at 99. And they, uh, they would, you know, as I was Googling him and sort of getting some of the facts about his life and all of that this last week, he is considered one of the most influential preachers of the 20th century. That's quite something, isn't it? He's, he's, he's taken the message of Jesus to millions of people around the world. Now, I recognize that most of us are probably not going to have that opportunity. However, we encounter these people as we do life that inspire us, don't they? That, you know, people like Billy Graham, and I, and, but, but actually ordinary, everyday people that we come across as well, that just sort of capture our hearts and capture our imagination and kind of pull us forward. You know, they're the kinds of people that are, um, you know that they've done life, that they've had all of these different seasons in their life, the good, the bad, the hard, the joyous, and they have continued to stay faithful to their faith, to God, through all of it. They're not perfect. In fact, they're really fallible and they're just as much in process as the rest of us, which is probably what we can identify with. Few, we're not the only ones. But they're people that have committed themselves to pursuing Jesus, that just inspire us. You know, they're people who usually they're full of integrity. 
They're kind. Some of the most beautiful women I have ever met are older women. There's lots of snow on the roof, you know? But they are absolutely captivating because of who they have become, because they've allowed Jesus to change them through the course of their lives. And they are just breathtaking. This is the kind of person I want to be. They're people who have chosen to invest themselves in other people, not just pursued their own goals and gains, but they have invested widely and richly and deeply into the lives of other people so that other people can succeed and find out who they are in God. One of those people for me who I met uh, in my mid-twenties is Eleanor Mumford. And her and her husband, John, were the national directors of the vineyard in the UK, and we'd just moved to England then. And they were also local pastors of um, Southwest London Vineyard then. And they're now retired, but they're still actively, you know, chasing Jesus and, uh, and advancing his cause now. And so I was in my mid-twenties, and she probably is, you know, 20 years older than me. And I had the opportunity to, uh, to meet her at a number of different things. I heard her speak at conferences. I had a cup of tea. You could do tea, don't you? It's not coffee. Tea across the table from her on a number of occasions. But the bulk of my time of, of you know, relationship with her has been at a distance. And she won't really know the impact she's had on my life. But 20 years ago, I looked at this woman who was passionate about Jesus passionate about the cause of his church, who loved her husband, who was fiercely devoted to her sons, and I just fell in love with this woman. I was just like, she was the sort of person who, as I looked at her and the way she did life, I'm like, I want to be like that when I grow up. I'm turning 50 in a couple of months, and I look at Eleanor, yeah, I look at Eleanor now, and I still want to be like her when I grow up. She is still, she's now a grandma, and she's passionate about her grandbabies. You know, she's still excited about the cause of the church. She still devotes herself to Jesus. And she's been doing this for such a long time that I want to be like that. I want to grow up into that. So how do we do that? Because all of us would have met people along the way that have just kind of been that for us. You know, that have just... I don't know, just in the moment, they've kind of grabbed our attention. We're like, I want to be like that. It pulls us forward. And they will be different people for all of us. But, but one thing that they likely have in common is that they have grown. They didn't start as spiritual giants. They may become that, but they didn't start there. They're just regular people. And so for us, that's like, how do we grow into becoming those kinds of people, the kinds of people that inspire others, the kinds of people that invest themselves into other people for their benefit, the kinds of people that other people look up to. How do we become that? Well, one of those ways is for us to grow. And so that's one of the areas, one of these core elements that we want to develop here at Coast and that we want to encourage each one of us individually to attend to. And so we're going to look at that, and it's, it's about health. It's about pursuing health and vitality and thriving in this life that God has got us in. So why don't we pray? So Lord, I just am grateful for your presence here with us this morning. God, I pray that uh, even as we look at some of these ideas here this morning, it's just scratching the surface, God, and, you, and all of us are in such different places, and we're different people with different experiences and personalities and hopes and dreams, and, 
pain and suffering, all of that. But God, you know each one of us. And I pray that you would come now and that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would speak to each one of us about what does growing look like this year for me, for each one of us. And God, that you would begin to nudge us forward. So God, we just invite you here. We invite your activity in our lives. I pray, God, that, that you would be in the words that are spoken this morning for our good and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Spiritual formation. We don't talk about that a lot in uh, evangelical or charismatic circles. It is something that's used more in traditional churches. It's this whole idea that we are formed spiritually over time. It's this process it's this direction that we're heading and that God uses all of the aspects of our lives to form us. It's not an overnight, we don't flick a switch. You know, that whole thing of coming to faith is just the beginning. It's not the end, we're just getting started and that God then can use our entire lives to form us as we go. It's important for us to think about the fact that we are whole beings. Uh, in Western society and in culture and philosophy, it's easy for us to fall into this thing of separating ourselves out, where this bit of me is my spiritual part and that's all the rest of me. And yet, Scripture doesn't do that. God doesn't do that. We are whole beings. In fact, we are spiritual beings who happen to walk around in a body. So when we're thinking about growth, all growth is spiritual. So if we're getting counselling because we've got some trauma that we're trying to work through or we're taking a parenting course because we want to do a better job with our kids or any of those things, it's all spiritual growth, okay? So just, just before we get into this, it's like let's just make sure that we embrace the whole of what growth looks like for us. We don't want to stop at just that seed stage of coming to faith because God wants to use all of our life circumstances to form us and to invite us into greater intimacy with him and fruitfulness in him. However, growth is hard. Have you noticed that? Doing anything new is really hard, which is why I think as we get older, it's just like, oh, I might just stick with, stick with what I know. In fact, I met somebody a number of years ago having a conversation with them. I love study. I love learning. I love reading. Our whole family are like avid readers. We have many books. Books are hard to give away. Um, but we were having this conversation, and he said he would have been probably in his 40s or 50s at the time, and he was just like, oh, I kind of know everything I, I need to know or want to know. I'm just, I'm done. I was like, and he was, a, he was a wonderful man, loved Jesus, you know, all of that. But he, he had just like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm content with what I know. I'm like, I was just like, could not get my head around that. That is not how this works. Learning, growing is for life. It's all of life. We don't get to opt out once we hit 50, uh, which is, you know, so much closer than it once was. Um, <laughs> But, uh, but we've got to remember that growth actually is hard. It's painful. It's uncomfortable. We're going to fail. We are going to make mistakes. Often growth feels like two steps forward, one step back. And then two steps forward and one step back. And we kind of have to dust ourselves off from the mistake we made and sort of learn from it and carry on. 
If you think about child development, they say that, uh, think about particularly the um, moving from crawling to walking. Now, our little guys, they've been really happy crawling for some time. Gets them around, you know, they can kind of get into the pots and the pans and all that, anything that's low. But they're happy until one day they're not. One day something changes in them and they're like, I want to be upright. I could see the world. I could move quicker. My knees won't get sore. You know, and so suddenly they're like trying to haul themselves up on things and kind of pull or hang onto your legs as you're walking, you know. But it's really hard. They fall over a lot. They bang their heads on things as they go down. There's a lot of tears along the way. There's frustration along the way. But what I remember from when I did my childhood development stuff, teaching a long time ago, is that the frustration with the status quo is what propels them through the pain of the news so that they can get to what's next. That is really important for us. I think sometimes we get to a point in different parts of our lives where we're really frustrated with what's currently happening and we sort of rant and rave and stomp our feet and throw our hands up in the air and leave it at that. And are left with, but there's got to be more, you know? Yes, there probably is. Probably that frustration is God allowing that to stir up in you to propel you through whatever difficult stuff there is to get you to where you want to go to something new, to something more, to grow us. But we back off because it's frustrating or it's hard or it's painful. Growth is hard, but it's good for us. So if that's the case, then we're going to need to be intentional about pursuing this. There is intent involved. If we think about our um, careers or our physical fitness goals that we set, often at the start of the year, or, or just health stuff, or it might be that you're going to do more study, whatever. We have this vision of kind of where we want to be, don't we? And we'll often create like a, you know, a career path or a, a plan, and then we start working the plan to get us to wherever it is we think we want to be. How often are we doing that for our spiritual aspect of our lives, which actually overflows into all of those things? God is interested in our career path. He is interested in our study. He is interested in our health. But we're often just not as intentional, are we, with that? And, I, you know, I know for me, I go through seasons where I'm like super, you know, this is where I want to be, you know, and I start making a plan and I'm working it and don't work it 100%, but, you know, I'm on my way. But we just often aren't that intentional. One of the things I love about, uh, one of the things we get to do here at Coast is we get to uh, work with interns every year. They are people who are intentionally putting their hand up to say, I want to grow. I want to learn. I want to try new things. I want to step out into doing some things I haven't done before. I'm just trying to look around. Are our interns even here? Oh, there's one. Where's the other one? I saw him this morning. Oh, he is interning. He's down there with our young ones. Okay, I'll introduce you to Albert another time. Tash, lovely deal. Can you stand up for us? This is Tash. Woohoo! Thank you, lovely. Now, Tash started her internship midway through last year. She'll finish midway through this year. Albert has just started. You'll find him down. Is he down with Wired today? 
Yeah. So uh, he's down there. He hasn't done that stuff before, so he's kind of, it's the hands-on learning today. Um, but they have put their hand up for a 12-month period of time to come and to learn. They give, they volunteer their time here at Coast Vineyard. Uh, they have study component to that. So they've actually just been away this week for four days of intensive lectures with uh, the other interns from around the country. And uh, you guys came back tired but happy, hey? And so they've been learning about church history and theology, and, but they've also been worshipping and praying for one another. You know, there's this kind of learning intellectually as well as experiencing God hand in hand, which is we want to be happening in all of our lives. And then midway through this year, we're going to have another intern arrive from uh, Portland. Yes. And he's going to be spending a year with us as well. So we'll introduce you to him then. But what I love about these guys is they're intentional about their growth. They are making considerable sacrifices for the sake of following Jesus and growing. Well, I love that. Paul, who wrote uh, a bunch of letters in the New Testament, he planted a whole lot of churches and released a bunch of leaders, and he writes a letter to a young leader called Timothy, and he says this to him in 1 Timothy 4, exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. Workouts in the gym are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so, making you fit both today and forever. Cultivate these things. Immerse yourself in them, and people will see you mature right before their eyes. Keep a firm grasp on both your character and your teaching. Don't be diverted. Just keep at it. Both you and those who hear you will experience salvation. Yeah cultivate these things. There's intent. Cultivate your, immerse yourself in them. Pursue it. We want to be intentional about our growth. Another thing that Paul is recognizing here is that we need to persevere. We need persistence in this thing of growth. You know, he says to him, you know, don't be diverted. Just keep at it. Doesn't it feel like that sometimes? It's not like, you know, I am soaring on the wings as eagles. You know, it's like I'm just persevering, taking one step at a time. And that's the reality of growth most of the time, truth be told. It's not glamorous. But the thing is, no one gets good at anything without perseverance. You know, just this week, we have celebrated as a nation our two 16-year-olds who have taken away medals at the Winter Olympics. I haven't watched hardly any of it, but I watched... Is it Nico Porteous? Is that his name? Wow. They make it look easy, don't they? And yet, didn't he say he spent four years working on either this one trick or that, that combination? Four years. I'm going to guess that in that time, there were times he didn't feel like going out and practicing. He probably hurt himself along the way. It probably was inconvenient. It probably cost him. And yet, it's, well, he started at 12, for goodness sake. At 16, he's good at this because he persevered. He was intentional and he pursued it. Brother Lawrence, I'm just reading, rereading some of a book that he wrote uh, in the 17th century. He was a, a monk who served in France, in Paris, and he wrote a book called Practicing the Presence of God. And I'm just rereading a little bit of that at the moment. And it's like, I love the fact that the title of the book is Practice. Practice. And he talks about the fact that you just don't get good at this immediately. And even after you've been doing it a while, you've got to like go back and start over. We need to practice this. 
How are we practicing prayer? How are we practicing our worship? How are we practicing all the other aspects of our lives? Because if we practice, then that leaves room for mistakes. It leaves room for false starts, but it leaves room for us to do it again and again and again and again. We want to practice this. Because the thing is, is that one of the things we're going to encounter is that there's going to be resistance to growth. Matt, I think it was a few weeks ago when he was speaking about the kingdom of God, he said, you know, there's another team on the field. We are going to come up against resistance, both internally, but also because there is an enemy that doesn't want us to grow. He would be happy for us to be stunted, to never grow, to just stay immature and childlike in our faith. Childish, not childlike. So let's have a look at uh, some of what Jesus actually said about that. In Luke 8, we see him, he's a wonderful storyteller. And he's telling a story to all the people that were around him at the time about a, a farmer who went out sowing seed. And he sort of scattered the seed far and wide in the hope of cultivating a crop. Now, some of the seed fell on a path and it got trampled and the birds came and ate it. Some other seed fell onto rocky soil and there was just no moisture. So it didn't take root and wasn't able to grow. It died. Third lot of seed fell and it started to take root, but there were a whole lot of thorns and weeds there and it just choked the life out of the plant and so it never grew. And finally, a quarter of what was sown took root in good soil, grew and had an abundant harvest. So the disciples are like, well, what does that mean? Like, no clue, you've got to tell us, you know. And so he starts explaining what that means. So why don't we join them in uh, ch chapter 8, Luke chapter 8, 11 to 15. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they first hear it, but they have no root they believe for a while, but in a time of testing, they're going to fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. We're going to come up against resistance if we want to grow. Some of that is spiritual opposition. Some of it is just testing. It's loss, it's hardship, or it can be success and pleasure. They're the kinds of things that divert our attention and take it away from pursuing this growth in our relationship with God. I think in our culture, we can add busyness is something we really have to wrestle with in terms of cultivating our relationship with God. Or it could be anxiety or, or worry or procrastination. I think about good ideas for quite a long time before I actually go, no, I really do actually have to do something with this. We can procrastinate. Or we just get so sucked into living for pleasure and what feels good that we don't pursue this. Those are the kinds of things that each one of us is gonna have to wrestle with. And for each of us, it's going to look a little bit different because we've all got different weak spots. But we want to persevere through this. 
And one of the things I think that helps us is to have realistic expectations about what growth looks like. Most growth is incremental. It's step by step, inch by inch, day by day, decision by decision. It's just tiny steps usually. However, hopefully, and this is where we need to do mid-course corrections, we're going in the right direction. They're all moving us towards the right direction, towards God. And it's for life. Growth is for life. For those of us who are in the room with a little more gray in our hair than we once had, or hair, uh, just having hair would be great. Um, you know, a friend of mine or ours who is a pastor down in the South Island, he's got this fantastic phrase. He says, I love people who've got snow on the hearth and fire, oh, it's snow on the roof and fire in the hearth. That even though they've gotten older, the fire's still burning, baby. They haven't given up. They're just as passionate at 80 as they were at 18. Yeah. Growth is for life but it's incremental. That's why when we meet people who are in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, who have pursued Jesus for the bulk of their lives and have allowed him into changing them, transforming them from the inside out, that is why they are so compelling. That is why they are so attractive. And we wanna be around them. They have good stories to tell. They're people we can learn from because they've been doing this a long time. However, growth isn't a natural byproduct of age or time. Yeah. I think we all know people who are older and still really not that onto it. Still making really bad decisions about life. So we want to make sure that we choose well who we learn from. So two key areas that we want to grow in, our relationship with God and our relationship with people. Discipleship is a word that we use in this. It's a word we don't really use outside of the church. Um, so I'll explain it just briefly. In the context of when Jesus was doing his thing here on earth, there were rabbis, teachers, who would have followers or disciples. And they would spend time with their rabbi, and they wouldn't just learn what they taught them, they would catch who they were, because they would do life together. And Jesus did that with his disciples. He, for three years, they walked together, they talked, they traveled, they slept, they ate, they ministered, they did all the stuff together. And in that three years, his disciples learned a whole bunch of stuff that he taught them, but they also caught a whole lot of who he was. So much of our growth is caught as well as taught. And really, discipleship is all about what we love. There's a fantastic book. If you want to read a bit more about some of this, there's a great book called You Are What You Love, The Spiritual Power of Habit by James K.A. Smith. And he says this, discipleship, we might say, is a way to curate your heart, to be attentive to and intentional about what you love. So discipleship is more a matter of hungering and thirsting than of knowing and believing. Jesus' command to follow him is a command to align our loves and longings with his to want what God wants, to desire what God desires, to hunger and to thirst after God and crave a world where he is all in all, a vision encapsulated by the shorthand, the kingdom of God. Jesus is a teacher who doesn't just inform our intellect, but he forms our loves. We are what we love. If we are followers of Jesus, we would want to see growth here that our loves become more aligned with that of God. 
over time that we would start from a place of wanting to get to know about him. Scripture, reading scripture, prayer. We wanna get to know about God. We learn from others who are ahead of us in the journey, but just learning about him is the starting point. Then we wanna know him. We're gonna wanna experience him in worship, in prayer, this ongoing conversation of us learning to listen as well as talk. Some of us have, that's more challenging than others. Um, we have more words to say. But, uh, but learning how to be still and to listen to him in silence is something that we actually want to cultivate and to learn. We want to be intentional and persistent in pursuing this. Our relationships with people. God uses people to grow us. Have you noticed that? We grow in the context of community. I remember years ago when we were pastoring out west, Matt did a sermon. I can't even remember what it was about, but I do remember him talking about the reality that so much of our relationship with God is worked out in our relationship with one another. We learn by having each other in, in our lives. And, you know, we cannot do healthy spirituality on our own. We need each other. Uh, another great book on growth is uh, How People Grow, What the Bible Reveals About Personal Growth by Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. They're Christian psychologists. And they say this, biblical growth is designed to include other people as God's instruments. To be truly biblical as well as truly effective, the growth process must include the body of Christ. We all have something to contribute to help one another to grow. And for some of us, that may look like that we're going to step into roles of leadership. You know, leadership is just influence. That's all it is. And, and most of us are going to influence somebody in our lives. And some of us are given more people to do that with. And oftentimes we hold back from wanting to say yes to that because we think, well, I just don't know enough. I'm not ready. I'm, like, I'm, I'm a bit of a mess, you know, in some of these areas. Or I'm still working this stuff out. If we all waited until we had this all figured out and we were fully put back together, none of us would be doing anything. Seriously. God does a lot. He maximizes our availability. We don't need to have it all figured out. This amazing thing happens as we make ourselves available to God if he's inviting us into leadership. That as, you know, if you're leading a life group, suddenly your desire to understand that piece of scripture, because that's the bit we're looking at this week together, just ramps up big time. You spend loads more time suddenly wanting to read your Bible, to understand it, to be able to help others. It's just, it's, John Wimber used to talk about, you know, the greenhouse effect. You know, you turn the heat up and you grow. And oftentimes that's what stepping into leadership feels like. But for some of us, I think this year, that he is actually inviting us from a posture of receiving to a posture of investing in other people. And that doesn't mean we have to be experts. It just means that we want to be available and, and learning, still growing ourselves. In Colossians 2, verse 6 and 7, Paul once again writes to the church in Colossae, and he says, my counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You've received Christ Jesus the master, now live him. You're deeply rooted in him. You're well constructed upon him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. 
schools out, quit studying the subject, and start living it. And let your living spill over into thanksgiving. There are criteria and expectations of leaders, for sure, in terms of their character, primarily around their gift, gifting and their calling. However, we don't all start knowing how to lead. We have to start somewhere, and that's in its infancy. So we have to make room for that. But, you know, he's saying you are well, you know, you know your way around Scripture, you're firmly rooted. Those are things we're looking for, for sure. We want safe people to be leading. But recognizing that part of our growing is often stepping out of our comfort zone. Have you ever noticed that? That the stuff that God invites you, you know, to sort of pursue him in, it feels like, ah, you know, I don't know anything again, you know. I'm back to that awful, vulnerable place of feeling like I've been stretched too far. That's probably him. Here's what I've discovered. As you step out of your comfort zone, over time, that comfort zone grows. And just when you're getting comfortable, he invites you to take another step outside of that again, and then he'll grow you again. It never stops. And it's something we have to choose to say yes to. So, you know, at Coast, we've got the internships. We've got the Emerge and Leaders Track that we have running. We've got people who lead life groups. Now, if you spoke to any of our life group leaders who a couple of years ago weren't leading life groups, some of them, it's really new. If you ask them, has this helped you to grow? I'm fairly confident they would all say yes. And yet they continue to say yes to doing it, to serving our people that way. You know, the very cool thing about growth is that it, it's a partnership. We're not trying to make this all happen ourselves. We're in this with the Holy Spirit. He empowers us. Last year, we were in Queenstown for our wedding anniversary, and um, we hired electric bikes. They are the funnest things. I haven't been on a bike in so many years, and so we were like, yeah, let's get these mountain bikes, and we'll be like all these young people, and uh, ride around the track, you know, around the lake, and then it goes up and over and around and amongst trees and all this stuff, and I was a little tentative to begin with, I have to admit. However, what I discovered was, even on the hills, I could own them, because you flip the switch, and suddenly your pedaling is like supercharged, and you just go powering up these mountains. I mean, we were out for, I don't know how long we went, but we did a way longer time and much more distance because we had this little thing that helped us. That's what working with the Holy Spirit's like, you know? It's just like we've got this supercharged thing that we tap into, that He propels us forward and empowers us to do the stuff He's inviting us to do. We are not on our own. He is the one who started this in us. If we have a look again at uh, that How People Grow book, they say that the Spirit begins the process of growth by wooing us to Jesus, and He is working to finish the task. In Romans 12, verse 2, God brings out the best of you. He develops well-formed maturity in you. We just have to be available and keep saying yes. So this year, we are in this together. Not only are we partnering with the Holy Spirit, but we're partnering with one another. We're going to have each other's backs. We're going to encourage this in each other. You know, it's a bit like we've got like, it's a bit, it's a combination of things. It's an individual pursuit and it's a team sport. Each one of us is individually responsible to God for what we do with his invitations to growth. However, we're in it together. We're doing it with family. 
And we get to encourage and support and invest in one another to help us each get where he's inviting us to go. So today, where is God inviting you to grow? Is it in your relationship with your husband or your children? Is it that he's inviting you into new territory in prayer with him? Is it that he's wanting to help you get unstuck with some stuff that has just got you held in the same place? But where is he leading you out of your comfort zone? And we as a church are going to do everything we can to support you in that. We're going to have courses this year on all sorts of things. We've got a parenting toolbox starting next term. We have a CAP, Christians Against Poverty, money course that we're doing next term as well, I think. Is that right? Yep. Uh, We're going to do some uh, short courses on how to partner with the Holy Spirit, how to pray for other people, you know, hear, hear from God and be able to pray for other people. We've got all of these different things. We've got life groups that are ticking along that are doing all sorts of different studies. You know, we've got the messages that we have here on Sunday mornings. We're going to just do everything we can to support growth in each one of us. And we're really just getting started, aren't we? And I think one of the big things we can do for each other is to pray. Pray for each other. Pray for the church. We, this, we're the church. It's not like the building. It's us. Let's pray for us. Paul, you know, he, he started all these churches, and then he'd go travel, and he'd just send letters back. But so many times, he's like, I'm praying for you. I want everything that God has for you to be yours. Over and over and over, those were his prayers for his people. And that's, that's what we can be doing for each other, is as we are intentional, as we are persevering, as we are partnering with the Holy Spirit in this as individuals, that as a church, we can pray for it, us. So what we're going to do, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to invite you to stand in a minute, and I've actually taken one of Paul's prayers, I've just tweaked a few words so that it becomes our prayer and we're going to pray this together and then just wait. And I've asked uh, some of the people that are doing the Emerge and the Leaders Track this year, I sent them a message, hopefully they saw it, um, asking them just to tune in to what any words they think God may have given to encourage people this morning. So guys, if you have, your moment will come after we've finished praying like, as a community. And we'll just have them come and share the words and then we'll just see what happens out of that and pray for each other. Sound all right?